Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, this is podcast uh, number six. This is the first in a three-part series on AI or artificial intelligence and ML machine learning. We're going to cover quite a few topics. The initial one will be specifically on an introduction to the topics and some business use cases and the direction the business is going with it, along with introductions and definitions into the different types of AI and what they mean so that when we go into podcast number two and then on to podcast number three as we get deeper and deeper it'll start to make sense okay so welcome back this is the start of a three podcast series on artificial intelligence machine learning and the associated technologies and, and business adoption I'm going to start with artificial intelligence I have to apologize. This this podcast, I'm going to ramble quite a bit. Artificial intelligence covers such a massive area and is becoming so important to business going forward that I'm going to have to cover a lot of ground. So I am going to ramble a little bit. If anybody has seen the recent interview with the Google CEO, AI is set to be more important to humanity from a business perspective than electricity was. So AI is is very serious and there are very good and bad parts to it and so we're going to we're going to work our way through those in these podcasts again i'm going to take a slightly different bent there are uh, several good blogs and and very good podcasts on exactly what ai is and isn't down to a very technical level i'm going to take a more technology business adoption strategy and talking about ai we are going to talk about some of the technologies that sit behind it and and the the technologies that enable it, but I am taking it more from a business innovation perspective as far as how businesses can use it. So let's start off with what artificial intelligence is and what it isn't. So if we look at Wikipedia, we get a pretty straight answer from computer science, and that's Artificial intelligence is intelligence demonstrated by machines, often referred to within the field of study as intelligent agents. But that doesn't really tell us much. There's a really good blog that just blog post that just recently came out on um, towards science about what AI and machine learning are and aren't. And we're going to talk a little bit about machine learning in this podcast, but we're going to do an in-depth machine learning podcast in the second podcast of the three series. And then we're going to talk a little bit about deep learning and we will kind of touch on the difference. So in the towards data science uh, blog post, the very succinctly say AI is, can be understood as computers performing tasks typically associated with human cognition, which means if a human could sit down and do it, if they had enough time and enough patience, they could do something similar. And AI just allows the computer to do that without uh, a human having to intervene or the human having to do the massive amount of work to do it. That falls into the category of artificial intelligence. In contrast to that, machine learning is a discipline of AI, and specifically the one associated with computerized learning of those AI, of the information necessary to do the AI task. So for example, if it took 
let's say a human a human could look at a thousand pictures of a mole and I and over time they could learn the difference between a cancerous mole and a non-cancerous mole. An artificial intelligence engine could look at those pictures much more rapidly and could come to the same conclusion. Now, the machine learning portion is is that the machine learning could feed the database of information or the data sets of information for the artificial intelligence so that it could learn faster. And in fact, over time, the feedback mechanisms built into the imaging software could help to train the artificial intelligence so it becomes better and better and better and better as it goes along. So the machine learning portion is the learning mechanism that helps make the AI able to make decisions or make judgment calls based on some piece of information it's been giving. Now, the difference between machine learning and deep learning is, is that where machine learning is aimed at something that a data set that we can wrap our heads around. So this idea that if we looked at a thousand pictures of a mole, we could identify which ones were cancerous and which ones weren't over time. Deep learning is we're going to look at a thousand pictures of skin and organs and some of them will be dog skin and some of them will be you know elephant skin and and out of that the deep learning begins to do comparisons in such a way that it begins to identify within the data sets things that we hadn't seen yet now that doesn't mean we couldn't do it it just means it would be unlikely that we would do it because of the amount of time and the uh, amount of attention we would have to pay to it. So, simply speaking, AI is the actual function of doing something that we would normally associate with a human doing it, but the computer can do it for us. Machine learning is the mechanism that sits behind the artificial intelligence that helps train the artificial intelligence to successfully do the things that we're asking it to do. And deep learning is an even more it, it's an even greater step into the learning mechanism that compares things that we wouldn't ordinarily associate learning on for the particular tasks that we're talking about so that's our starting point what we're going to talk about today is artificial intelligence so artificial intelligence is this big massive technological advancement that's been happening since the 1980s the reality is is that if we if we look back Artificial intelligence has slowly been growing up over time. If you used Google 10 years ago, you were using a form of artificial intelligence to find search results. So what that means is, is that you're using artificial intelligence today, whether you realize it or not, whether you have an Alexa in your house or not, whether you have a Google Home, use Siri, any of the things that they're talking about in the Twitterverse and on Facebook, that these things are AI and, and you know, for one reason or another, uh, the pundits think that they're, they might be bad or they might be good or they might be tracking you. The reality is, is that you're using AI already. If you have used a search engine in the last year, you are using a form of artificial intelligence. Now, it's an algorithmic, simple form of artificial intelligence, but it's, it's a way where you type in a search and the artificial intelligence makes some judgment calls about the intent of what it is that you're asking and feeds you an answer. Now, this simple form of AI has some dangers in it. 
So anybody that follows anybody on Twitter, anybody in the political realm on Twitter, or ha sees any of the posts on Facebook, may have heard of this term called an echo chamber. The reality is, is that if you have consistently used search engines, or you consistently use social media, the artificial intelligence that sits behind them is designed to feed you the things that agree with you and that you want to see, because those are the ones you're most likely to click on. Those are the ones that are most likely to meet the area that you want to be in. The danger with that is, is you don't see any dissenting opinions. So if you don't like your local shopping center and you think that that shopping center does nothing but bad stuff for your community, every time you search on something, you're only going to get back news articles that agree with that. And if actually there, there is evidence that the local shopping center brings in, you know, a massive amount of tourist trade or retail business that's actually good for the community, you won't see any of that. So the echo chamber actually only feeds you back the things that you're looking for. That's one of the dangers in the simple algorithmic AI that's being used in search engines and in social media blogs. But if you're using any kind of technology at all, uh, some of the other ones, Alexa, Siri, that I mentioned earlier, then you are even greater into that artificial intelligence, right? So it may be the artificial intelligence is interpreting what it, it's transforming what you say into text. It's interpreting what that text means. It's looking up an answer to your question or your statement. And then it's transforming that text response back into voice to respond back to you. So those are all artificial intelligence tasks. There's no machine learning in that. There's machine learning to build the intent analysis. There's machine learning to build the knowledge base of answers to questions. But the artificial intelligence is the, I can understand what you're saying. I can look up the thing that, that you're asking a question about. And then I can say in a way that you'll understand the answer to the question that you asked. Translation engines are the same. They're using artificial intelligence. If we had rote transformation engines for translations. So someone says something in a foreign language and it does a literal translation and feeds you that literal translation word for word, the translation software wouldn't work properly. For the translation software to work properly, the sentence in the foreign language needs to be interpreted for intent and you need to be told what the intent is. And then when you speak the response to that intent, it has to do it in the foreign language in the intent you intended. So again, that's artificial intelligence. It's making judgment calls about what it thinks that you're saying. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. The current modern artificial intelligence engines we're talking about are easily 85 to 90% accurate. And by the way, that's better than most human interpretation. So I hear somebody say something to me, most of the neuroscience papers show that I'm only getting about 80% of that correct in my interpretation of what it is you're saying. And anybody that's ever been married knows that you don't understand somebody that you have been partners with for a, a long period of time. So the AI engines are actually pretty good at interpreting that. So let's extrapolate that again to business. So 
now I need to know a piece of information. I have a massive set of data and I need to, I need to get a piece of information out of that data. The artificial intelligence can help me find that data, assuming that there's a knowledge base of that data behind it. Now, most artificial intelligence, most machine learning, most some deep learning, most deep learning need some kind of clean data sets to be able to provide that information across. So it needs to be some kind of structure, not so if any database people are listening to me, they think I'm saying that you have to have everything in some kind of relational database. That's not what I'm talking about. But the data does need to be structured in such a way that the artificial intelligence can go across the data. This is one of the differentiators between AI and humans. A human can look at uh, a set of data where the name of a flower is in wildly different locations within the data and we can still find connections between those without doing any kind of data normalization across it. An artificial intelligence computer program is going to have problems doing that. It can do it, it can be taught to do it, but it has to be programmed and taught to do that kind of analysis across different locations within the data set. This is something that humans are good at and that AI is not quite good at yet. Okay, so business adoption. Right off the bat, we've been looking at data analytics, and data analytics is a big, huge area within, within IT. And if, if you are a business of any size and you are gathering data, you should be doing some kind of a data analysis across that data. So you have been for years, right? So if you're in sales, you collect what you sell, the data about what you sell, and you look at it and you say, okay, widget A sells really good in this area, widget B sells good in that area, and based on that, you change the way that you're doing selling within those areas. So that's data analysis of that data. What AI brings to the table is, is more rapid and more deeper understanding of what's in that data. So now it might be, although the data is there, we might say that we sell widget B in this area but only on months that have five or more weekends in them. So that changes the data. And, and yes, we could have gotten the data ourselves if we had dug through all the data ourselves and manually looked at it. AI does it faster and better for us. Within security, artificial intelligence is now starting to look across vast swaths of information about things that are happening in our environment and begin to identify things that we didn't see. So... Again, we could have dug through all that data ourselves and identified the additional information, but AI is giving us the ability to do that. Now, this sounds really spectacular for business. So if I'm a business, I want to enable some AI within my business to be able to give me information about what my business is doing and how it's doing it and where it's doing it. But I also want it to give me answers about things, and I want to use it to enable my employees to get better outcomes. So they don't have to go searching for a document when they need it, they can just ask the AI, and as long as the AI knows about the document, it can come back and find it and, and tell them where it is. Now we need to talk about adoption. So we've identified that the business need is there and the value is there within AI. How do we adopt it? AI is just another technology set. So if we go back, I don't know, 20, 30 years, spreadsheets were actually done on pieces of paper. There were company, larger companies were doing it within um, spreadsheet programs. 
But most of the stuff that was being done at the smaller and medium business size was being done on paper. The transition to using spreadsheets was a software adoption transformation. AI is just another technology adoption transformation. You don't need necessarily an AI strategy. Your organization needs a technology strategy that has AI components. So it begins to identify where artificial intelligence can be used and can't be used. And you don't necessarily need dedicated AI people within your organization. Depending on the size of your organization, you can move towards a footing of using ecosystems. So many AI companies that develop really uh, new and bleeding edge artificial intelligence algorithms and computing programs, they have data scientists working for them. So the data scientists look at the data and help to build the AI so that it works across that data set in the way that it's structured. Your organization may not need to hire data scientists and build your own artificial intelligence. There are very large organizations, IBM, Google, AWS, Microsoft, that have out-of-the-box AI for known data programs. There are several large custom-built AI companies that exist in the world, and there are within any geolocation, there are at least two dozen AI startup companies, all of which that could be an ecosystem to help build the enablers, build the AI computing for your business to get your outcomes. So before you rush out and, and get a chief AI officer and start an AI strategy and hire a whole bunch of data scientists and build an AI, See where AI fits within your technology strategy, and it may be as simple as engaging with uh, you know, an innovation consultant or an AI mm -hmm. consultant, or even partnering with an ecosystem of providers or partnering with a, an AI startup company to begin identifying it. Most of the blogs talk about this idea of, there are two ways to do it, right? You can go whole hog and put everything into AI on day one. The second is, is that you can begin a proof of concept and slowly build AI into the organization. There is obviously a middle ground where you can do proof of concepts around artificial intelligence in some areas, but some areas that make better sense, some that are enterprise available today, can be turned on right away. So for example, turning on AI within Salesforce or within Pegasystems to get outcomes from known data sets. Salesforce is a known sales engine data set and their AI is designed around that to be able to give you answers. Turning that on is not something that takes a massive amount of work or a massive amount of resources. But expectation management is key. So turning the AI on, even in these larger enterprise platforms, does not mean that the day after you turn it on, your entire environment is transformed. AI takes a while to learn. The intent analysis within AI to get true value out of it for any artificial intelligence, even one that you have good large data sets for that you can help train the AI to begin with, it still needs to learn over time. Air New Zealand learned this the hard way. They enabled a AI-driven chat bot called Oscar and the reality was is that it wasn't bad, but for about the first year, because the public expectation wasn't managed properly, 
Oscar got a lot of bad rap. You would go and, and you would chat with it and it would give you back really weird answers or it would give you back bad answers or it would you'd end up having to escalate anyway and you wouldn't get the answers out of it. Now, Oscar's been running for a couple years now and it's the chat interface is, is actually really good. In fact, I've I've told a couple people that have given me uh, feedback that they didn't like Oscar when they first used it and I told them to go out and try again and sure enough they went out and they said, no, no, no it's, it's much better. It works much, much better. It gives me better answers. Artificial intelligence takes time. Now, it doesn't take as much time as training a person up to do a, a very laborious, boring task the way AI does, but it's still, AI still needs time to learn. And that needs to be part of the, again, the technology strategy. The AI portion needs to take that into account. Now, I'm talking a lot about business adoption of artificial intelligence and the things that you need to do to enable it. At the platform level, if the platform has AI in it, enabling it and getting value out of that AI seems to be a no-brainer. In fact, I would recommend that to any organization right now today. If you want to begin building AI into more things of, that you do, to into maybe in-house platforms, maybe you have massive amounts of data that you would like to enable AI across, any strategy that involves AI needs to have some outcome business-based questions that one answers. And look, if you're a research university, there are a lot of research universities and computer science divisions that are just taking massive data sets and they're just digging into those data sets without knowing the questions they want to ask. The likelihood that you're going to get useful, meaningful answers out of that is probably pretty low. As a business, you want to get useful, meaningful answers out of artificial intelligence, and that means you need to understand the question that you want to ask it. Now, invariably, any technology strategy that has AI involved, that has a known business outcome, is going to drive the structure of the data to that. So if you have this massive data lake sitting in Amazon, and you're like, well, we have 15 years of sales, manufacturing, logistics, all of this data, and it's stored in this data lake. If the data is completely unstructured in such a way that you can ask the question, you may have to go through a data cleansing exercise first. Now, there are some good companies out there that are starting to build artificial intelligent and machine learning computer programs that can take unstructured data and help to transform it into more useful structured data. But before, again, before you engage that path, you need to understand what it is the question you're asking. Because if the question you're asking has nothing to do with sales, then trying to go and get somebody to help structure all your sales data doesn't help drive you towards your outcome. The other challenge you have is, is if you don't have a data strategy, so if you have no plan for your data across your organization, you have SharePoint here and local shares there, and you have some databases in the cloud and some databases local, and you have a big mainframe with a whole bunch of storage capacity behind it. If you have no data strategy, then it's going to be very unlikely that you're going to be able to use that data to learn things or to run AI compute across to get some kind of information out of. Having a data strategy leads into 
uh, data structurization in such a way that AI and eventually machine learning and even deep learning can get you more and better outcomes. Now, AI is not about replacing people. So, uh, look, if anybody comes and talks to me about artificial intelligence, and, and I've been doing consulting on this for a little over three years now, if you're looking to replace people, AI is not the way to do it. What AI can buy you within your organization is removing tedious work from some of the employees that you have. So making their work better, freeing them up so that they can do better, smarter work. Let me give you an example. Contact center. So depending on the organization that you're in, contact centers can get a massive amount of calls that are either useless or meaningless to the organization. But there's a small number of calls that are extremely useful and meaningful to the organization. AI and most call center solutions and call center platforms now have some form of AI in them. AI can allow a smart way to respond to the noise that is the low-level communications that happen to the contact center and free contact center agents up to have the more meaningful conversations. But understand that that changes the dynamic of contact center solutioning. So currently, well, it's starting to transition, but over the last five years, most contact centers, contact center agents, have been measured by the number of calls that they could close on first call and how quickly they could close them. If AI can handle some of the very low noise, low triage calls, then the contact center agent that's actually taking the call needs to be judged on how good of outcome they get for that customer. So the outcome may not be within the first call. The outcome may take an hour to get. The outcome may actually take three months and 12 different calls before you get it. But a good call center agent gets that good outcome by listening to the customer, by responding to them, and handling the customer to the customer's better outcome. So if the call center agent is tracked on how many calls they make within an hour, how quickly they close them, and whether or not they can close them on first call, then a good call, a contact center agent that may spend the time to learn from it is going to be judged badly by those metrics. As soon as you enable AI on the contact center platform, then most of those calls that they could close in the first hour, on the first call, and within the shortest period of time can be handled by AI. So the dynamic changes. So AI is about taking that tedious work away from the employees that you have and freeing them up to do the high value, high touch, better outcome for your customers approach. So that's the value that you can get out of AI. So if you're looking for AI to come in and replace workers, so I can I can enable this AI compute and I don't have to have these 10 people over here, then I don't think you're going to get the value out of it that you think you're going to get out of it. And you're going to end up having to hire 12 to 15 people to build and maintain that AI. And those 10 people that are there that could be providing real business value to the, your business are not freed up to be able to do that high value work. So AI adoption. So now we have a data strategy and we have a technology strategy and part of that technology strategy is AI. 
Some AI, like I said, is easy. I'm using air quotes for easy. Is easy in the sense that it's built into the platform, so go ahead and use it. For example, if you have Office 365, there is AI built into the OneDrive and SharePoint function in such a way that you can get information about the documents that are stored up there and can help provide security controls around those documents. Okay, that's an easy AI enablement. Okay, That does need to be part of it, but that needs to be part of your Office 365 strategy, not an AI program of work. So again, we've got a data strategy, we've got a technology strategy, and in that technology strategy, we have areas where AI is part of the platform and we say we're gonna enable it. But we have this other area where we say we want to do some unique things with AI. So we want to, we want to look at things differently. We have some questions, some business outcomes that we think we've identified, and we think that AI might be able to do some things in that area. We have either partnered with someone, we've either built an ecosystem of partners that we could use, or we've partnered with a startup, or we've hired a team to be able to, either a contract team or a permanent team that can come in and do AI for us. Like, so let's imagine we're a large accounting software company and we want to build AI into our accounting software. So we've hired a whole team of people to help us enable AI. Now what? So the, the reality is, is that AI is like any other technology enablement program. There are lots of different ways that you can go about doing it. There's agile, there's DevOps, there's a waterfall approach, and some of them are better and some of them are worse. I am probably going to do a DevSecOps podcast later in the year, and I am going to be doing a video blog about enterprise and agile development. I have a personal opinion that I believe that Agile can get better outcomes than a waterfall approach, but I'll talk through that at another time. What I want to talk about is how AI is a little bit different. Now, if you have another program of work, however it's being developed, and AI is a part of that program of work, then it just becomes another technology enablement. So we have this huge program of work and part of it is that we're going to cloud enable some things and digital transform some things and oh by the way we have an AI component and that's part of it. What I want to talk about is is you have a program of work that is AI. So we've got these business outcomes and we would like to enable artificial intelligence to get those business outcomes. You need to go into that program of work understanding a couple of things. The first one is is that there is a, a chance that the entire program of work is going to fail. So you're going to invest money and it's going to fail. And, and what I mean by fail is, is that because building artificial intelligence and training it and making it work to get the outcomes, it is very difficult to see whether or not that can be successful before you get into it. So there is a chance that that program can fail. So aiming at a smaller initial proof of concept minimizes the impact. If it fails, it also gives it a better chance of success. The second is, is that you may get learnings out of this AI that you hadn't even planned for. So a lot of AI programs of work end up generating something that is completely different than the original business outcome that they were getting. And that's unusual in a technology enablement. Oftentimes, you do a platform enablement and you get some additional value out of the top of it, but the business outcome that drove the original platform, you get that. 
You either get it or you don't get it. Either the program succeeds or fails. With AI, it is just as likely that you're going to get an unusual outcome or a different outcome or a business adoption or business outcome that is not what you had planned for. That is just as likely as you getting the outcome that you planned for. The third thing is, is that even after the initial build, you're not going to know if you have your outcome for a period of time that the business is using it. So in other words, we build the proof of concept and we make it work and we prove that it works. And I'm going to come back to this prove that it works in a minute. And then we hand it over to the business to use for a period of time. And we don't know whether or not we get the business outcome until either the customers or the business uses it for a period of time. Again, AI has to train up to get the true value out of it in the real world. Now let's come back to the, we know that it works when we start. I'm a big proponent for end-to-end testing of any technology that gets implemented. In fact, when I talk about DevSecOps, I'll talk about a pipeline and automated testing. But AI, you can test that the compute works. You can test that the compute scales properly. Whether or not the AI engine is going to give you a valid answer or not can be tested with known quantities. What it can't be tested for is if you want to enable an AI on a chat interface on your website, you don't know what someone's going to say to it. So you can't test to see whether or not it's going to understand the intent of what it is they're saying because you have no way to build test data. In fact, the best way to test it is to give it to a known, safe, low blast radius deployment. So think very positive, supportive customers, um, using it internally with the business to have them replicate what customers are saying to test it. Because you're not going to be able to script out a, if we order 27 pants, the accounting algorithm should tell us that costs $3,000. Within artificial intelligence, there's not a one for one that we can we know that the question is always going to be this, and so we know that we expect the answer to be this out of the other end. If we could do that, we wouldn't need the artificial intelligence. We need it to do things that ordinarily a human could look at and do. The final thing you need to understand is, and and there are several organizations that are working on this, and there, I've, I've read through, and I won't give the names of them, but I have read through a couple products that are now starting to come on the market that talk about explainable AI. Most AI today we cannot show why the artificial intelligence gave us the answer we got. We can talk about the training sets. We can talk about how the neural network worked to give us an answer, but we can't go back and interrogate the system and say, this person said the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog, and the answer was a sentence that has every letter in the alphabet in the sentence. We can't show a one-to-one match of how it got to where it is. So until explainable AI becomes a fully realized mainstream enterprise thing, understand that sometimes the AI is going to give an answer and your technology people and your data scientists and the vendor is going to go, we can train that out, we can try and deal with that in the future, but we don't know why it gave us that answer. The last thing I want to talk about in artificial intelligence programs of work is is that you have to build learning into them. What I mean by that is is that if you enable an AI 
to do something within your organization and you give it a knowledge base to do that thing from and you never go back and maintain that knowledge base and you don't give the artificial intelligence the opportunity to feed learnings into that knowledge base, then you're only getting half the value out of your AI. The true value of your AI is, remember, if you put a human on a contact center as a contact center agent, over time they get better as a contact center agent. They know your products better, they know your customers better, they know how to answer them better. You want the same outcomes out of your AI. You want your AI to over time learn and get better. So if you enable a natural language processing search across all of the documents in your organization and don't also enable a machine learning component that allows it to learn and get better and better and better, then you're missing out on half the value. Now, the AI engine can come back and give you lots of good answers, but if you use acronyms or euphemisms or within your organization you have uh, this word equals that word but it's just an organizational thing if the ai can't learn that over time it can't provide you better answers and you're missing out on a lot of it in fact the reason google is so good the reason the search companies the reason alexa is so good is because it learns over time and it can personalize per person so it knows that if I search for a lot of motorcycle parts, if I then go searching for black seats, it's going to come back with black seats associated with motorcycle parts. Understand, again, the dangers about echo chambers. So if you are an innovation person within your organization and you're looking for innovative answers that may not f uh, fall within your search criteria, that you need to do other things to accomplish that, the AI is going to give you stuff back that you're used to, but within the machine learning, you want it to get better and better over time. So, like I said, I, I've rambled quite a bit through this, this particular podcast. I apologize about that. But AI is such a wide, varying technology enabler within your organization that I wanted to cover what AI is and what it isn't. And I wanted to, to cover business adoption and I wanted to cover challenges around it and make sure that you went into any program of work that had AI and with your eyes wide open. Podcast two of three, I'm going to talk about uh, machine learning. Um, it's not going to be next week. I'm hoping to get another interview podcast in before the end of next week. And so expect it in a couple weeks. And thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I've already started getting a little bit of feedback which is really great because podcasting really makes me nervous. In fact, putting anything out there really makes me nervous. And as always, don't hesitate. Reach out. Tell me good, bad. If you see something or know something that's out on the web that I need to read, uh, the list of books, even especially books on AI, and the number of blogs that I'm currently following on AI is roughly in the 30s right now. So, and books, and I've got about 25 books that I need to read through. But don't hesitate. But please, by all means, reach out to me and, and give me any kind of feedback you can. Thank you very much. I, I do appreciate you listening.